Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined at 9.32 a.m. on this Friday morning by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? And we're not BSing this. This We are in real life time we, right now. This isn't Thursday night. It's not Saturday morning. <laughs> no one is messing with the time stone, baby. We are here and we are ready to rock. But yeah, it may be really cool if it were Saturday morning and we published this Friday morning. Well, that's what I'm right. saying. Yeah, no, if we if we got into and, you know, started to disrupt the flow of time, that would be pretty cool. Let me ask you something. You Did you see the most recent Spider-Man? I did. What's your opinion of them bringing all the Spider-Men in and it's like, I, I didn't see it. I'm just, I argue with my son over it. About the parallel universes that they all live in and isn't that convenient just to get them all together in the same movie? Yeah. I mean, he's defending it. Well, so okay, so here's I, I hold I'm I'm a philosopher king, so I can hold many thoughts in my mind that potentially conflict at one time. Uh, What's that called? Uh, there's a it's called uh, uh, I don't know probably a personality disorder of some sort. Oh, that too. Okay, um, keep going. But um, uh, it was it's a it's a conceit. It's a um, it's 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 very much a, a move for IP for intellectual property. It's very much um, a lot of uh, stupid things, but it was also kind of fun. It was uh, you know kind of stupid fun to see uh, you know forty five year old Tobey Maguire and uh, whatever almost forty year old Andrew Garfield you know trying to do the Spider Man stuff again. That was fun. I'll take it. Cognitive dissonance. There we go. Um, yeah, I get it, but. I don't know. It just stretches credibility. It's suspension of disbelief a little bit. You got well, I mean, to say, you can't movie. just we're make going to see up... a movie about a guy who got bitten by a spider and became a uh, superhero. I, I mean, understand suspension that. Suspension of disbelief kind of got kind of got thrown in the trash there. I know, but there's got to be. We just make up different universes and different. Where, time. where are you on the like twenty-seven Marvel movies? Um, you know, it's it's really strange. My son has a thing about this too. So when I grew, I grew up in the sixties and seventies and DC was the, was the comic book that they were the comic. They were the ones that did. I mean, come on. Batman was the thing. Batman was the cool ass of all time, but I read Superman and justice league. They were the class of comic books. Then this trashy upstart Marvel comes in they got a few. I mean, I liked Iron Man, Spider-Man, but then they started just all of these different superheroes every week. And you were saying, what the heck? And they, anyone from my generation, most of the people from my generation, I think thought DC, you know, Sergeant Rock. You ever read Sergeant Rock? That was cool. Gotcha. Um, and that Marvel was just kind of trash. So I can't get that. That is imprinted in my mind. So, so I can't, I so respect what they've done and the trillions of dollars they've made and their ability to recognize the market and do this and get millions of 14-year-old to 38-year-olds obsessed with it. It's genius for them doing it, but I can't get on board. So here's my thing, is that um, I have accepted the reality of our collective cultural situation, which is that we are going to be force-fed these these movies for the rest of our natural lives, and um, it, increasingly exclusively so. 
And maybe your unnatural life. True. Yes. true. Yeah, they might, <laughs> they might literally put me on life support just so I can continue to provide my eyeballs to these particular movies. Exactly. Um, so I, I've just kind of accepted that, you know? You know, um, it's sort of 1984. You know, I'm just, uh, I love Big Brother. I love Marvel. I love watching all these movies that are the same, that everything and everything that happens in them is the same. There are actually no stakes whatsoever. Uh, the world's the world is constantly in danger, so there is absolutely no importance to anything that happens. Ever everything shifting is, everything rules. is just completely flattened. It is yeah. all the same. It is just this pure uh, cookie cutter action figure uh, selling things. And it's it, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have a social contract, uh, Marvel and I. I will gladly watch these things as long as they're fine, as long as they're okay. That's all. They, but but they can't they, be though? like, no, no, no. But here's the thing. Most of them are. But they can't Most be like that god-awful mess, the Eternals. That thing wow. was a piece of crap. Absolute dreadful. What but, were the people, what were those actors doing in that, I mean, Salma Hayek? It was a horribly written movie, a horribly uh, staged movie, a horribly directed movie, and a horribly, I mean, here's the thing. What those was stupid, Angelina Jolie doing in that movie? Why? Uh, behaving as if she, like, I, I think her, like, direction was, Look as if you have lost your cat. <laughs> well, she always kind of looks like that. Right, but that was that was the direction. That was that was that was her uh, that was her touchstone. That was what she was doing. With I her think method. she she did that. She looked so good in Laura Croft in that white T-shirt, and I think she just wanted some role of where well, she could do that again. When was she last in a movie before this one? Like fifteen years? No, what? she's been no 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 no. She was in the one where she was a firefighter and she had to uh, save some kid. What that was that? like a year ago. I think you're trying to incept me right there. That, that didn't happen. <laughs> you do have your own little universe and you've let Marvel into it. I get it. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I have to accept it. I have to accept the reality that we're not going to get traditional blockbusters. We're only going to get these things from here on out. So, okay, I'll take it. I, I, need a quotient, I need a quotient of, of dumb action movies that are, you know, those sorts of things. And uh, now uh, they fill up an unhealthy percentage of it because of the uh, the nature of the market. What are you going to do? Guess, I guess for me, it's just an ever-shifting uh, sense of, well, physics, for one thing. And then the universe, time, just to fit the new storyline. Uh, and that I just need something consistent and if they worked within those parameters and it was good i'd be fine but yeah no. all right we do a ucla sports podcast here at i have nothing to say here at Bruno Report <laughs> online um ucla basketball uh is heading into its final regular season game tomorrow uh taking on usc both teams are ranked in the uh mid-teens right now which is a disturbing Underranking of UCLA and an equally disturbing overranking of USC. Oh, look at you! Just right out there, putting it I'm out there. I'm just saying. Like I, I'm I'm not saying, but I am in fact just saying. Um, only one of these two teams got blown out at home by Arizona, and it wasn't yeah. UCLA. Um, yeah. USC uh, last time these two teams played one by three, even without the services of Isaiah Mobley, that was at the Galen Center. Um, but uh, USC is also the holder of a 5-0 and record against Mick Cronin at this point in Cronin's tenure. Uh, going 0-6 would not be good. 
for our man Mick. Um, and this game is also important for seeding in the Pac-12 tournament, whether or not you believe that the two or three seed, whether it matters whether you are the two or the three seed. I guess it sort of does in terms of who you're going to play in that first game. Um, but after that, it's pretty much a wash. Uh, but it would be nice to get another win just for the simple reality of being second in the Pac-12 um, and uh, also notching another pretty good resume win uh, for the NCAA tournament. See, you did all the stuff that's on paper. I'm going to I'm going to be the, the well, you're going to be the guy. guy. You're going to be the guy. Hang on. Who is yeah. going to argue with white hot heat? This is the hottest take I think I've ever seen from you, Tracy. And I want you to justify it and defend it. I'm glad it. That, you're, that you're, like, making this up for me. This is really great because I, I didn't even know what you are going to say. The USC game, mm-hmm. as Tracy opined today on our beautiful website, is the That's biggest great. of Mick Cronin's UCLA tenure. Um, I think so. Wow. Be- because um, there's a lot more... There's a lot more at stake sometimes than just whether you're what seed you're going to get. Uh, I think, and uh, if you set up if you set it up every all the elements in your mind, Mick Cronin's zero and five. A lot of these guys have not beaten USC who are on this team. Um, they've lost in incredibly dramatic fashion uh, against USC. Uh, it's USC. I mean. For I, I, they're just the evil empire, and now it's in Poly season-ending game. UCLA is you're feeling like UCLA should win this game, and USC hasn't been playing that well. It just it everything's set. The stage is set. As I so yeah, everything's just pointing toward a UCLA triumphant win. So from that, I uh, let's just say he hasn't had a game like this yet. I don't think, uh, uh, notwithstanding the Gonzaga game in the tournament last. But see, to me, we we're all playing with house money on that. They were going way beyond expectation. You're all uh, if they lose to Gonzaga, I, I mean, I understand they didn't have to lose that effing way. But yeah, we, we you had a discounted in. This, uh, everyone's invested that UCLA better win this game. So that's a little bit more, that's when the drama, the, the emotion is kind of dialed up more when you have the expectation of a win against SC. They're just SC. What would we have done without J.R. Henderson if he hadn't? And what's J.R. Henderson's name now? He changed his name. Uh, it's J.R. Sakagawa or something like that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. It is cool. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if J.R. hadn't said it, somebody else would have, because it is just at USC. Um, but it was perfect that J.R. Henderson said it, because he was so, you know, he wasn't a very excitable guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he just said it so deadpan, matter of fact. Well, it's just a C. Let's just so, see. Yeah, that was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get your point. I, if you wanted to throw me um, um, uh, an alley oop that was this is the biggest regular season game of Mick Cronin's tenure, I'd, I'd, I'd dunk that for you. That's fine. I would. I, I would say um, I'm picturing I, you throwing down an alley oop. I can. Oh do it. my! I can get up. I got God, hops. someone please, someone please do some photo shopping there. I got hops. I just got to shed like. I got to see. I, I got to see Dave's face on a body thrown down an alley. Oh yeah. Um. 
the uh, the at Colorado game in year one is probably the um, closest one uh, that was uh, similar. Um, I don't think you can pick anything that's like super midseason. So you know, blasting Arizona off the floor earlier this season was good, but it's midseason. Um, you know, you got to kind of see what you're doing at the end of the year. So. I think that's right. I mean, I think regular season-wise, it's probably the biggest or close to it, um, especially the circumstances leading up to it. I mean, it's a compelling argument. The thing I would say is that Michigan State, Abilene Christian, um, Alabama, Michigan, and Gonzaga were all bigger games to me, um, mainly because, first, they all come in the NCAA tournament. Second, um, the complexion of Mick, Mick Cronin's program changed so drastically in every single one of those games. When you when they beat Michigan State, it was okay. Well, they've they've legitimately made the tournament now. They just beat a really well coached team. Okay, now they're already playing with house money. Then they beat um, who was it in the first round game? Was it BYU in the uh, actual first round game? Yes. Yeah. So then it's BYU, and that was a team I thought BYU was going to beat them. And they I beat, remember you said that. And they beat them pretty good. And I was like, okay, well, now, see, they're actually, now they're actually doing something. See, but you're saying after the game. You are drawing a conclusion how big of a game it was after. Okay, I, but, right but now, by the time point, you got and to... See, we can't use the Marvel time No, 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 because no, no, by crap. the time they got... So, Abilene Christian was a nothing game. But by the time they got to the Sweet 16, um, or which... No, Elite Eight. Um, no, which one was Michigan? Uh, oh, Sweet God, 16. Um, or Alabama. Um, by the time they got to Alabama, I was like, you know, in my pregame, like my, my, my hands are almost shaking type way. My hands aren't going to be shaking on Saturday. It's the handshake test. My hands weren't shaking for this one. <laughs> They're not going to be. They, really? they were shaking a little bit for Arizona earlier this year, Jan- January 25th. Huh. Okay. Um, see, I'm, uh, I'm more about the game gets elevated to a different level based on how much you want it and the expectation going into it. This is a game uh, I, I really can't envision a world where Mick Cronin is zero and six against USC and the last right now he loses in Pauley Pavilion. That's that's unfathomable to me. So I could picture them losing to Michigan State or BYU, and I could have lived lived on. Um, so I, I guess that's where I judge it. One thing I want to say, though, the story that I did this morning, that picture by Steve Chang of Mick... Have you seen that? Oh, my God. Okay, Steve Chang has done some great photos. I mean, I can't, you can't even talk, like, top 10. That's my favorite photo. That scares me. I keep looking at it, and it keeps scaring me. Like you always, I mean, you always want to be intense, but I think you want to steer clear of serial killer mentality going into a game. Um, I don't think that. I think he's like, he's like a deadly spot or a hitman, or he's with. Uh, I mean, that's just. It, the com- that's like, I will say for Steve, uh, the composition of this photo is incredible. Incredible. Like the light, but, just everything. It's, it's he's, really. And amazing. that's the thing. That's kind of. I don't know if everyone gets this. It doesn't get the artistic quality of. Why I I mean I used the photo because it was amazing, but two, he's in the dark. Yeah. And he's emerging into the light if he beats SC. Yeah. And it accentuates like also the fact that he hasn't shaved in like uh I don't know, several weeks. 
It's it's beautiful. It's so I good. mean, Steve needs Steve needs to sell this photo. It is it is fun. I mean, it captures Mick Cronin. Yeah. In, and I, I I it to me, I think he's not only looking up as he's coming out of the tunnel. He's looking right at Steve. Like, <laughs> I mean, like I hope Steve Turnin ran after that. He should. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's a big game. Um, UCLA uh, right now. So the situation as it currently stands is that Johnny Juzang is fifty-fifty for the game. Um, Jaime Hawkes has transformed himself into uh, a low-post power forward, which wasn't the case, I don't think, the last time they played USC. He was still trying to do the um, uh, take guys off the dribble thing, which he's pretty much ceased doing. Uh, the thing, I guess, so from a functional standpoint, um, they're going to need to hit some outside shots because I don't know if Jaime is going to have anywhere near that level of success inside against this team that he had, uh, the last couple of games. Yeah. He had five points yeah. in, thir- in 32 minutes last time. Yeah. Well, that was the first one. Uh, well, that was one of the first ones where it was obvious just how little explosion he had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously they get Isaiah Mobley back, which will have an impact. Um, there's a lot, there are a lot of things that have changed since this game. Uh, I mean, Hawkes is different, I think. Uh, Jalen Clark is obviously a, a, a different player. He only played 14 minutes in that first game. And if you, I think uh, Mick Cronin has... Not that he didn't do it before, but it, he's doing it more now. Um, um, it's a matter that he'll be able to utilize Jalen Clark as a defensive stopper on uh, on Peterson uh, more, I think. And and I think, I you know, I didn't go back and look at the game. I didn't know. I didn't watch how many times he was matched up on Peterson. Uh, who went off for 27 points? I think it was his. It was not often. Five. He wasn't. He wasn't on him that often. I, I think we're going to see that quite often now. This time, um, I'd be stunned if there isn't a good 10 minutes to 15 minutes of this game that Jalen Clark isn't assigned Peterson. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things have changed, um, and uh, you know we always known this. Uh, home court advantage you know home versus away it's always pronounced but it's getting more so now this season damn i mean at least within the pac-12 but also looking around the country which we need to talk about so okay uh usc uh usc sorry about that ucla loses at oregon and they fall what they fall five spots Mm -hmm. all those other teams lost on the road Two, uh, there were some teams that were highly ranked that lost to unranked teams on the road, and they didn't—they didn't—they didn't fall precipitously like that. Yeah, I think so. it's uh, I, the AP poll is always very stupid. Um, right now, Ken Palm has UCLA as the number eight team in the country, um, which I think may be a little bit high given um, Jaime's limitations, but um, they're not. They're not the 17th best team in the country, the 16th or wherever they are right now. Um, I, I think they're comfortably in the top 15. 
Um, and I think it's a, it's an overreaction to things that were happening like two weeks ago. I think it's just people getting slow to catch up on what's sort of going on with UCLA right now. But I think they're also there, you know, people are catching up on what, what went on with UCLA a couple of weeks ago, not recognizing that they're starting to figure it out a little bit more again, suddenly, um, with Jaime finding a way to be effective. Now, I don't think it's going to be super effective against length, um, and he might get blocked into next week a few times. Um, but I also don't think they're going to be as stubborn forcing it to him um, in essentially turnover situations now, which is when they give it to him up top and have him, you know, create off the dribble. So there's uh, there's some interesting things at play because I think UCLA could be poised to actually do a little bit of their their surge type thing right now because you know they're I think they're starting to get comfortable a little bit with what Jaime can do um and then with playing Jalen Clark a lot more um even if they're not starting him in every game though they should um and you know getting more I mean Miles Johnson I think should be playing approximately 42 minutes every game but that's not realistic because that's not how math works. And also that's not realistic because he would get very, very tired because he's a very big man having to expend a lot of energy moving his bit, very big body. Uh, but they're much more comfortable clearly with him playing of an even split with Cody Riley. Um, and that's critical going forward too, because in those 20 minutes, you do get a stretch of minutes with him and Jalen Clark on the floor. And as everyone knows, that's when the magic happens. Here's something too, which I find and take it in any way that you that you would like. The last time USC beat someone uh, decisively was January 24th against Arizona State at home in the Galen Center, 78 to 56. Since then, loss uh, at Stanford at home. Cal 79 to 72, and that was a close game. Uh, they beat Arizona State at Arizona State, 58 to 53. L- lost to Arizona. Uh, eked out that game against Pacific. They were losing in that game. Uh, beat UCLA by three at Galen and weren't dominant. And Tiger Campbell, if he were balanced on two feet, might have sent it in overtime. Washington beat him. I mean, by that was by 10 points. But if you watch that game, Washington was in it to the end. Barely edged Washington State by two. Barely beat Oregon State in overtime. Uh, barely beat Oregon by a point and then got trounced by Arizona. So, dang. That's... No, just take it for what whatever it's worth. Yeah. What, what, can I give uh, you can I give yeah. you the uh the reverse of that? Sure. UCLA's last seven home games. Um yeah. so lost to Oregon in overtime. Last seven home games, which included a game against Arizona. Uh they've won by an average of twenty points. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Twenty. That's what I'm saying. Uh the line is six, I think. Yeah, twenty points. I'm I'm I I'm not I'm just saying if I were in another Marvel universe, I might bet this game. But that's just my other alternate. Oh wow! Insider trading being done here on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah, the FBI is going to be knocking down. My yeah, they're going to be crushing you. Um, um, so that's yeah. that's that's basketball. Basketball's basketball's still really good. It's fun. It's so fun. Much fun. I mean, I look forward to the basketball games now. Isn't that nice? Well, it's not only yeah. You look forward to how they play too. I mean. Uh, 
we're so spoiled. You wrote a great article, like, you know. <laughs> Congratulations, Mick. You, what did you? What was the last line? You yeah, uh, UCLA fans are now back enti- to entitled as hell entitlement. again. Entitlement. Yeah. 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 It's. It, but that's. I mean, and that is the. Uh, the. I think the reality. Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait. They just went five and one in this weird, insane stretch where they had to make up a couple of games. They're playing a bunch of games in a, in a twelve game stretch, and they just went five and one. And no one, they didn't have a healthy team for any. No, of those games. no. It's just like, oh, why didn't they go six and zero? Oh? Why didn't they beat Oregon on the road? And it's like, okay, yeah, Oregon's like a fringe NCAA tournament team, but we've all watched that team. They've got a lot of talent, and they've got. And this is something we all have all freely acknowledged on this message board for years now is that Dana Altman is either the best or the second best coach in the league right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, here's the thing, too. And I'm not trying to talk, you know, disparage anyone. But I think a lot of y'all just aren't watching a lot of college basketball. Because, dang, Uh, there are some teams. Have you watched Duke lose? Uh, Kansas can – I mean, they're – there are some teams that are losing on the road. But here's to my teams that, to unranked teams. But here's my piece. Here's my piece. I'm not like I'm not saying that I'm not lumped in this group either. Like I am. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like writing about this or tweeting about it and it's like wait 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 wait. Uh, let's just step back for a second because I'm actually invested. Like I actually care again. Like I didn't I didn't care enough to do like minute splits of like which two players are the best players on the floor during X number. Like I'm not doing like those baseball stats when it's uh, when it's Steve Alford running some, you know, shit show out there. Like I'm not doing that. But Mick Cronin's I mean, uh, essentially the success of the team the last three years has made me, you know, not that I was not writing eloquent um, lovely article. What you're trying to say is we are completely unprofessional when Steve Alford was coach and our coverage. No, but I would say like reduced my, by about seventy percent. Well, it's that's not that. It's it's the level of well, um, the, like because there's a level at which you do your job right. You write about this team, you cover it, the whole thing, and we do a good job even when we're you know doing our baseline level job. But like Mick, I'm like sitting there thinking of like, okay, well, what would actually like. You know, what's what's a really, really interesting angle on this? Like, I mean, how many different ways can you write about, hey, uh, Steve Alford stopped playing his son. His son, his, not, his son's not God, that good. That was just talking. You know, we've got we've got a theme and I don't know how you're going to get a headline out of this, but that was just that was Twilight Zone version of our lives. Just it was, every time you went to write about the story, you're all uh, OK. Bryce Alford should not have been playing that many minutes in. He didn't play any defense, and you just got so tired of writing that. Well, that was the thing. is like, And uh, this is kind of the dichotomy I've got, is that when I was – and part of it was the East Coast. I was staying up late on the East Coast watching a UCLA basketball game that would tip off at like 7.30, so it was 10.30 that time. And I'm watching it, and it's a dreadful product. Um, it, to Mick Cronin's like constant thing, all it would depend on is whether UCLA was shooting well that night. If they were shooting well that night, they would win the game. If they were not shooting well that night, they would not win the game. And it was just – just watching that over and over and over and over again, no real adjustments being made. The rotation's not changing. Um, and uh, for those first four years, Bryce Alford just being allowed and being afforded really as many minutes as he wanted or could justify um, and allowed to shoot as many balls as he wants. And it's just, I can't, that's, that's not an enjoyable product. It doesn't make you feel good to watch it. 
Big Cronin's teams, even when they're bad, I'm like, I'm invested. And in, uh, even when they have a bad game, I should say, I'm invested in like what's going on because the 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 theory behind what he's doing is completely sound. Like he's he's wanting them to play really hard nosed, tough defense and play with intelligence on offense. Um, and if you do those two things, yeah, there are going to be nights where you are just shooting absolutely horribly, um, but you're still not going to get blown out. Um, because you're playing defense and you're taking care of the ball. Um, and so when the, the games where they don't and, you know, you can pinpoint, oh, what if they had just played those two guys instead for that stretch of time and then you see a pattern develop, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to write yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are they now top 10 in both adjusted offense and defense in Ken Palm? Uh, they are top or 15, 15 in both. and 10. Yeah. Top 15 in both. I mean... What a few years ago, wouldn't they have you been fantasizing? I mean, what if that? What if that's how they? No, were but that's football? where the magic happens. Because yeah. I would say right now, even as much as people are down on parts of this team for injuries and all that and everything going on with it, there's still they still have the statistical profile of a national championship winning team. Like they they can win the title with these numbers. Yeah. Now, is this is this the profile of the team that we have right of that UCLA has right now? Meh, maybe not, but. It's they have the statistical profile of a team that can win a title, but and and then everything that you listed too, uh, and I think you missed you listed all the injuries you listed COVID, but you didn't list the trauma of a windshield shattering on a flight and them all thinking they were going to die. <laughs> I mean, there's some PTSD after that, man. Totally. Um, yeah, and and here this is. Let's just even concede all of the injury. They're doing this. Mick Cronin's doing this, and I'm. This is. I'm going to be really candid. Without a a real high level post player, there isn't a post player that. What if you just threw in a post player that was could get eleven and eight a night and was a defensive presence, shot blocking presence, and could play. 28 minutes to 30 minutes a game with an offense that wants to go inside outside. I mean, that's the way it's designed. They're even getting still touches from miles Johnson inside just because that's the way the offense, it has to work that way. What if they just had that guy? I mean, which they do not. He's doing this. (laughs) uh, He's doing this and he's doing it without like, a clear first round NBA draft pick. I, I, I'm, I'm stunned when anyone starts questioning this. And and when you just watch the game, like the criteria I came up with, are they have they played beyond expectation? Are the players playing beyond what you ever would have expected of them? Do they play? Are they tough minded? Do they play physically tough? There was some article a few weeks ago anonymous Pac-12 coaches. And the very first thing they all said about Pac, uh, about UCLA was they are physically tough. <laughs> they beat you up when you, when you play them. Yeah. So uh, scheme, I mean, we can see what Mick Cronin's defense does when you plug in some athletes. I think personally, I, I understand how the isolation offense can get bogged down and, and it's not necessarily really pretty at all times. But he shifted that offense mid last season, and it was critical to that final four run, given the personnel he has. And we've seen it pay off. It is 
it has made Jaime Jaquez a better player that he's able to look for matchups and exploit them because he doesn't look like a power forward, but that's what he is. Um, there, I mean, recruiting, he's recruiting at an elite level. I, I mean, like I said, we're still only not too long into the tenure of him being at UCLA, but so far he's checking all the boxes. Um, I, if anything, I think the only, if I could, you know, I got to balance this so it doesn't look like we're Homer. If his program isn't for everyone, that would be the, I, I would think some recruits look at his program and go, uh, eh, no, I don't think so. Too tough. He's too tough on players. I don't think I can take that. So that's about the only thing I can come up with. But then in a way it's good because then the recruits that are kind of soft won't go there anyway. Yeah, I don't think, um, I think that's a good uh, self-selection mechanism. Not that, like, I'm not in love with, like, screaming at guys on the floor. Like, I don't, it's, you know, I think if you can eliminate that, that'd be awesome. But um, being tough, being like a hard-nosed coach who's going to, you know, use the bench, like, significantly if you make mistakes, I think it's good because it self-selects guys um, away. Because uh, you won't have, because with Howland, because he so obviously played favorites, even even relatively early on, but especially in the mid-period, I think a lot of recruits got a false impression about his program heading in. And then when they were there, they were like, oh, this is what it is. Um, and so I think with Cronin, it's much more uh, what you see is what you get, um, which I think is good. Um, whether you have like complications with it. Like, I don't love the yelling. Like I, I don't think it's very motivating. But... Um, uh, it does. It he's not he's not displaying a persona that's not the reality of his program. Um, so that helps uh, from a stability standpoint. Because and the, the reality is, um, uh, uh, what percentage of coaches are screamers, Tracy? Like seventy. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, um, and especially at the big time high school levels that most of these guys are coming from, it's a lot of screamers. So most guys are used to it. Um, so you're weeding out the ones who really, really, really can't deal with it um, when they say, oh, no, I don't want that. Yeah. Uh, let's give some credit. Uh, it's going to be senior night. And there are three players that we've heard are being honored for senior night. And this is very interesting because, you know, you can say it means something. You can say it means nothing. Because like in football, people have walked on senior night and then stayed and People have not walked and left, but uh, it's David Singleton, Cody Riley, and Jules Bernard. Uh, we've already heard <laughs> Mick Cronin went out and said, yeah, you know, David Singleton is coming back if he can get into a grad in the grad program. And <laughs> David Singleton goes, I don't know what I'm doing. I had heard uh, Singleton. Oh, great. Had, I had heard Singleton had actually said that after the final four last year. Like yeah. he had already told him I'm going to be here for two more years. Yeah. That uh, guy loves UCLA. I would say it's... You could see Cody Riley and Jules Bernard leaving. Well, but, so I mean, Cody we Riley, need to honor the... Well, yeah. I want to just... I don't want, let's not even talk about that. Let's just honor these guys on their senior night because, dang, man, they've been warriors, you know? They, they truly have. And they took UCLA to a Final, uh, final Four. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it would totally make sense for both of those guys to want to, um, you know, do something new. Because yeah. I mean, for Cody, I mean, he'd be... Um, I think he, he's 24 right now. I think Cody's got to go play in Europe. It makes sense. Yeah, him. he's 25 in December. Like, the, just 
no. I mean, he, he, he shouldn't feel compelled to do it. If he wants to do it, great. But if he wants to leave, I mean, you give him a firm pat on the back and tell him, great job. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's so bas- that. Yeah, that's that's basketball. That's fun. Yeah, that is fun. We love basketball. Fun. We love talking about basketball. Is there another now, sport that we need to talk about? Yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about that that football recruiting. Oh, thing. just football. not football program. Football, football right, recruiting. Right, right, right. This could be UCLA's biggest recruiting weekend, at least at least in this recruiting cycle, which I'm still calling the 2022 recruiting cycle. Four transfers are coming in. Um, four and and maybe more. But I don't have that nailed down. But I, I know there are four. And that's um, the twin, <laughs> the twins from North Texas, Gabriel Murphy and Grayson Murphy, the edge rushers, uh, and two offensive linemen, Raekwon O'Neal and Andre Harris. Uh, Raekwon being from Rutgers and Andre Harris being from Arkansas State. Uh, it's interesting, too, because... UCLA's, I don't know if there's too many other teams recruiting those four guys that will be able to get them in for spring practice if they are, uh, if they can enroll in that time. Uh, so that gives UCLA a little bit of an advantage. They can come in, have an official visit, and then literally enroll in two weeks. Uh, plus, I think from what I'm hearing, there's some, there's some NIL people, and I've said this in the last broadcast, UCLA NIL collective community that that is forming, and I think these four transfer young men will will find out about it on their visit. Um, not that it's anything, you know, it's not millions of dollars, but it might be something that could maybe tip the scales or or be added to the positive column for UCLA. So. There's all of that. Um, and then there's a bunch of unofficial visitors that are coming in. Uh, 2023 and some 2024 guys. So it's a big, it's a big weekend. Um, there's, a, there's two uh, recruiting events. There's, uh, <laughs> there's the Battle at the Beach, which, so... It's been at, in Huntington Beach at Edison High for as long as I can remember. I was assuming I was going to go. I was assuming I was driving down there on Saturday and then I'd have to come back up for the basketball game and everything. So I'm texting Brandon and saying, so what time does this thing start? Because I got to get a, I got to get a, you know, a good, uh, a lot of time to get down there. And I said, wait, where are you staying? And he goes, Agoura Hills. I go, now he has family in Ventura. I say, well, why, why are you staying up here? He goes, the battle at the beach is in Thousand Oaks. <laughs> <laughs> the battle of the inland, be- the battle of the beach that's uh, 17 miles inland. Words don't mean things. Um, yeah, I, luckily, I mean, we communicate a lot. Brandon and I, but luckily that communication was made because tomorrow morning I'd be just fighting that 405 when the 7 on 7 is like four miles from my house. That's beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. That that makes me smile right now. Um, and then there is the Under Armour Under Armour Camp on Sunday. 
So there are some guys in town who could swing by campus. Um, and that should be, uh, that should be interesting that they have the four official visitors. I can't remember a time when they've had, this is new, uh, official visitors, and then a bunch of unofficial visitors, mostly from other classes. So with a bunch of new coaches too. <laughs> so this is, this is, this is going to be really interesting to see how what comes out of this by Sunday and Monday. Tune in to Bruin Report Online as we give you reports from this official and unofficial visit weekend. Tune in. Yes. All right. Well. And then, you know, we got spring practice coming up probably in about two weeks. Two weeks? Well, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, probably two weeks. That's when that's the first week of spring, uh, spring quarter. So we're just assuming not that we get communicated with much. Not that UCLA uh, football does a very good job of communicating really anything whatsoever. This will be really interesting too, because um, UCLA football does not want us to watch spring practice. This just would be their preference. They've had an excuse. Remember last year it was delayed a month because of COVID things. And then of course the year before that, there's no excuse this time. They don't even have a mask mandate anymore. Joe. No mask. That, I don't know what they're going to be just scrambling for some kind of reason. They're going to, they're going to find one. I guarantee it. Yeah. Cause okay. UCLA baby, nobody wants coverage of this football program. Least of all the school. Yeah, but you know, we've probably said this before. I think if you're a UCLA football fan, you mentally should be in kind of a good place because come on, more than likely they're going to win uh, and have a successful season. Uh, I, like we said last week, more than likely we don't foresee Chip Kelly being at UCLA too much longer, whether that's a year or two years or what. I, I, it's not an open-ended thing to me. So winning season, potential for uh, another uh, chapter <laughs> in at UCLA football. Um, uh, there's reasons to be optimistic, Dave. I uh, mean, you know, long-term optimism. Uh, no? Yeah, I mean, long-term, yes. Uh, UCLA will have a new head coach at some point. And I think it's, I think it's going to be fun to watch... Dorian Thompson Robinson and Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. Play next year. I think the yeah. offense is going to be a ton of fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> That's called a pregnant pause. Will your opinion change if they get the Murphys? No. It won't change about oh, the God, defense no. Come for on. next year. No, no, no. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not a I'm not purely player dependent at this point. Okay. Uh <laughs> The, the defensive coordinator hire is um, is basically going to cause me doubt even if they somehow manage to get, like, the reincarnated corpses of the uh, 1985 Chicago Bears. They're probably not all dead, but you know what I mean. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not personnel at this point. Um, so, yes, would it help a little bit if they got some edge rushers? Yeah, sure. It'll be great. Um, but that's not going to fix everything wrong with this defense overnight. Hey, I mean, when I was... At UCLA for 
Which game was it? ASU game? Uh, then I had to make it over to the Luskin Center after the game. I saw Bill, I saw Bill McGovern in there working. He had he had a drink in one hand and his phone in the other. That's just how you should live life, right? I, I immediately um, had some respect for him. There you go. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, is that it for us? I think so. We're tapped I, out. I don't want to talk anymore. No, I'm done. Um, well, it's not 10-16. Um, we have finished speaking. And uh, now we, uh, we will uh, wish you all a, a pleasant evening, a pleasant afternoon, pleasant late morning. And, a, a pleasant uh, Saturday. A pleasant Saturday. Enjoy <laughs> the, the UCLA game tomorrow night against USC. They're never going to play a day game again. Um, certainly not on a weekend. Why would they do that? And uh, we will talk to you again next time. See y'all. See y'all at Polly tomorrow night. Seven.